back guys to another episode of the trickway mr gray gamer and myself trev hello uh this is the season of specials right yes uh and uh if if we do a really good job we'll be renewed for a second season (laughs) well i don't know they're cutting costs and streaming services and whatnot so i don't know if they can afford this gray the cgi is top notch and uh yeah. yeah, too much money involved. We really look so much like our real styles. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Deep fakes. <laughs> Deep fakes. Deep fakes, yeah. Gray's really 20 years old, and I'm, I'm really 60. So yeah, it's going to flip fakes. around. You'll be gray-haired, and I'll... I'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I like doing specials. We don't get to do them as often because we're, we're, we're busy with our lives and other podcasts, and usually because there's a weekly review to do, isn't there? So, there's a weekly show, yeah. Yeah. Um, we decided to just do kind of best solve. I'm not saying we'll do best solve every week, like mix it up and do something a bit more deep or different next week. But certainly today we thought we'd do another oh. top five because it was a great suggestion on what we're talking about, Gru. Yeah, we got uh, a whole load of suggestions, but we this one kind of hit our fancy for today. Yeah. So, uh, and what is it for? What's the, what's the subject? What's the subject? Engineers, today? Star Trek, best engineers, ranked from five to one. And some special mentions. The usual, yeah, special mentions, yeah, which are always funny. Um, now, <laughs> four out of five of these will get the exact same engineer, which maybe it's just great minds think alike. <laughs> but the curveball is uh, is the fifth choice. Uh, I, I, yeah, I had to throw a curveball somewhere. Yeah, I doubt you were going to select the same as me, mate. To be fair, but I'll, I mean, I'm curious to see what choices are. And to be fair, even though we selected the same for a lot of the other guys. Uh, we'll have different opinions and stuff on them. And people, if they want, if you want to comment below on your top five or your top three and why, if you agree or disagree with our points, and getting the 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 paperwork out the, out the way before we start, of course. Don't forget, Mister Gray over here has uh, Gray's Green Room uh, Entertainment Podcast once a month, which is on the YouTube and audio podcast platforms like Gray's Green Room, and he's on Twitter at Gray's Green Room. I do more on his Twitter than he does on his Twitter sometimes. So you make it me. You get Gray's Green Room. Who knows? Um, and and, uh, and <laughs> Trev is on it. He's either over here or over there, depending on which Somewhere. side. Uh, and yeah, of course, uh, we're, we're on YouTube, as you know, on, on the podcast and platforms as well. And at the Trekway. Um, uh, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, on the Trekway at Twitter. Got a bit confused there. It's been a long yeah. day. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Game Insider Things. We love the Game Insider Things. We also... Hang out and do a gaming podcast once a week on a Thursday, with the exception of tonight, uh, with our friend Nick um, uh, on the YouTube again at Extreme PC UK and same with the Twitter as well. So likes are always below, but yeah. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a like, I'm just all going to ask for a comment below in your top three. How about that? Top three engineers and why, and if we're talking crap yeah. or not. You know. Uh, okay, okay, let's start with fifth choice. Um, I'm fascinated by this one because I don't have a fucking clue who he is, Gray. Who's your fifth choice, best engineer, and why? I thought I would just kind of throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing, and, and I put uh, Niles Picarin. Um, so Picarin, or however you want to pronounce it, Niles it was the chief engineer on the USS Enterprise under Christopher Pike, Captain Christopher Pike, in the cage, which was the pilot 
for one bloody episode. More or less. Now, here's the thing. There, this is canon and non-canon at the same time. Yeah. So why do I say that? Canon is, is that back then, during the cage, he was the transporter chief. That's how they addressed him. And they, they were assuming that transporter chief meant he was chief engineer. They didn't really get into what the chief engineer eventually became. He just he was the transporter chief. So yeah. he was looked at as being the chief engineer, but without saying that. Now, in non-canon, they identified the fact that, yes, he was chief engineer or became chief engineer soon after he left the role of transporter chief. He became chief engineer of the Enterprise under Pike. Now, they don't say, because it's, I don't think anybody's really addressed it, as to whether canon or non-canon, when he was the chief engineer, because obviously, as we see Strange New Worlds, we saw that apparently Hammer was the chief engineer. And then, of course, you, you've probably seen the series by now. It's been a while. He, he died. And now there's going to be a new chief engineer. <laughs> right? So now I'm trying to think. So the new chief engineer, will, he, will his name be Niles Picarin? Or will it be a different chief engineer? And where does he fit in or will fit in? And in the whole uh, thing on Strange New Worlds, because there was a guy there. At the very least, he would have to be transporter chief on Strange New Worlds, and they have to use his name because that part is canon. So this is going to be interesting. If they ever do address a transporter chief slash chief engineer, will it be this guy? Why did they not go straight into him, do you think? I mean, I love Hammer. Great character. But why, why do you think he didn't go right I mean, I believe if I remember correctly, Pike did two runs of five years, right? I think. So he did something like 10, 11 years on the Enterprise. So in that time period, he could have had more than one chief engineer. That's always possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have them um, right. And, and already that he has because the guy died. So maybe that's a bad part, a bad job to have on the uh, under Pike. The engineers don't seem to last. <laughs> they either die or they leave. I don't know what. Um, so I just thought I would throw that in there because going all the way back to the, the, the beginning, the cage, which, if you don't know by now, shame on you, but basically the cage was the first pilot uh, that the network, at that time, NBC, to make a decision whether they wanted to go ahead with Star Trek. And what happened was they liked it, but they wanted to make a change or two, and they wanted to know if Roddenberry would do a second pilot. And he did a second pilot, and that one was with Shatner, because they couldn't get Jeffrey Hunter because he was already you know, promised out on stuff. Yeah, and the second pilot they liked a little better, and then it became TOS, and there you go. So huh? that's my weird pick of the of the five that I had I had to do. <laughs> so if Niles is in uh, just one episode, as far as we're concerned, but I guess what so the question would be why did you pick him? Because it's a bit unique, it's a bit different. Because I mean, yeah, there's no right need- or wrong answer, Gray. You know, but I'm just curious why yeah. one episode. You know. I just went with the fact that it was the very first, even before Kirk, uh, even though Spock was in it at that time. Um, and I just felt that it would be kind of an interesting pick since it was the very first. That's pretty much the only reason. I mean, your choice coming up is probably the more logical one, but I didn't go for it because I didn't see enough of the, that, that show. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, with further ado, uh, my choice, my fifth choice, top-ranked Starfleet engineer is... 
Charles Tucker the Third, aka Trip, and I watch him and uh, Malcolm Reed. I can't remember the actor that plays him on the Shuttlepod show. Uh, I, I, they do a, the production in that is phenomenal. The amount of guests they get, and it's just, it's, it's real enjoyable. It's probably the best fan show. Like I would point you in the direction of, of, of I might even put a link below for those guys because um, they they get all the car crew in there and whatnot. So, um, yeah. Charlie Boy Trip. Uh, again, some people might go, "Why are you nuts? What are you smoking? Why is he in the list?" And it's it is a curveball, yes, but also there is a lot of logic behind it. The really this this focus and this camera is shocking today. Can we get back? Uh, there are we. <laughs> I thought oh. it was me. I thought I thought oh. I was tripping. No, 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 no. It wasn't the pills you took, mate. It was definitely okay. on me. Um, so yeah. they call Charles Chuckler Trip because he either is real clumsy or because he was into the mushrooms or something. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the reason. They may have actually said on the show why you gave that nickname. Uh, Tucker, I guess, would you be called Tuck? Is your nickname? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Trip and Tucker really opened your name up to some bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, you know. He so Gray didn't watch uh, enough of Enterprise, and I keep saying to him he needs to keep watching it because it got, gets better later on. Just like Discovery gets better the longer it goes on. Uh, and you think he would trust my opinion by now, but he's got lots of stuff to watch ahead of that, I guess. It's not uh, like I didn't watch any. I mean, I, I made some, it about. But you watch the kind of poorer part. That's about. It starts off slow and a bit meh, and gets slowly better until the end. You're like, what? They've cancelled it now. It was getting good. Yeah, well, that was the problem. They should have. Concentrated more on the writing, made it good sooner, yeah. and maybe it would have lasted yeah. longer. But they they lost a lot of people at the very open of the show. That's the bad the, part. Yeah. <laughs> the open is so bad. The theme music's shocking. They should never be singing in Star Trek music ever. I mean, that was a joke in the Shuttlepod show. They're like, "Oh, I loved your in Picard season three. They brought back uh, the TNG theme, and mm. uh, uh, the guy that uh, plays uh, Trip went." Ah, there was no singing in it, no words. Like, what What the hell? And he's being facetious and very dry. Yeah. And just Jonathan Freaks had a chuckle at that one. So, um, no, the, the very first episode of Enterprise, Broken Bow, I loved the concept of that. This, they were trying to launch a bit quicker and they grabbed this Klingon, the first kind of other alien they bumped into, major species, alien species, and they had to get him back. Uh, and this kicks off the whole Klingon kind of human war thing. And I, I love the concept of it. I generally, very raw enterprise with not half the technology that you expect in modern Trek. Uh, just like Grace says, if the writing had been a bit better, could have been. Mm. Anyway, so the reason I go with Trip is he's a very, very important man. He is the first major chief engineer of a warp five engine and 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 commission and and and. In the field place, you know, he's actually the first main engineer, and it's the first proper production warp five engine from the warp five facility, and that's a big deal because if you remember your Trek history; they'd, they've been going warp two, one, two, and so and so forth for quite a while, and while that got them about the the you know the, the solar system and the region relatively easy, getting further afield was a bit of a trek. You had the cargo ships that. Uh, I can't. I remember all their forget all their bloody names that the uh, the pilot of the ship was was on for a while, and he grew up in the cargo ships, and they would be warp one all the time, and it would literally take forever to get anywhere, even at that speed, because warp one is just the speed of light, and that's it. 
So you're going to the other side of the Alpha Quadrant, you're like, ah, sign up. Let's sign up for a, a year or a few years. <laughs> right. Like five-year missions again, because it takes so long. Um, and then he gets to go onto the Enterprise for the first time, and he's like, I've got a War 5 engine. Hell yes, let's go. And they can't, thing is, though, they can't get it to... There's points where they... I don't know if you recall this, great, but they try to... Uh, they're trying to outrun, I think, the Klingons. And uh, the captain just says, right, gun it, like, let's go to warp five. And Trip's like, I, I don't know if we want to be pushing engines that hard, captain. And it, and he's like, it is a warp five engine for a purpose. And he's like, on paper, you know, so this is the first <laughs> time of trying to coax it out more. And when you see this first warp five engine, this is, you see this up until the original movies, actually, so um, it's not ho- it's not vertical like you're expecting. It's horizontal, mm. and that's where it starts. It starts in the NC, the NX class uh, starships. This long warp five engine. It's very hands on with knobs and switches and stuff. Some of the things he does, like he does a. There was an episode I told Gray where he's going between one ship to the other, the other uh, NX class ship, and he's going between them with a ladder. While it's while it's at warp, there's one warp bubble holding the two ships together, and he is going to do a hot. He's going to do a basically a cold start of the warp engines, which has never been tried before ever in Star Trek. He was the first one to do it, and he doesn't quite know what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen in theory, so he's like running about. There's sparks going everywhere. He's flicking switches and blah blah. And I was just and I was in awe at this. I was like, he is the original. He's the first. And I know mm. you could have arguments about the original series is. But chronologically, I think it deserves sure. its place there. And the guy had a bit of a... He was a funny guy. He had brilliant... Uh, his his line was, keep your shirt on. It was very, you know... <laughs> so I'd, yeah. Malcolm Reed would take the piss out of him with the English accent. He'd be like, keep your shirt on, Lieutenant. And he'd take the piss out of him. Because he was a... Uh, Trip is a higher rank than, than uh, Malcolm Reed. So, yeah, that's why I put him in. His significance... And uh, spoiler alert, great, in season, oh, when was this indie art? Season two, I want to say. Uh, that small probe gets sent to Earth uh, as a test, and it wipes out a massive, sorry, uh, who are folk from Florida called? Floridians? Yes. Sounds like a, something off the peer, periodic table, but anyway. Floridians, <laughs> uh, this beam comes down and literally scores all the way up Florida to kill like 7 million people including Tripp's sister. So he's never quite the same. Uh, so he's part of a revenge arc as well. And he does his above and beyond the Call of Duty to try and stop the main probe coming to take out the planet full stop. Uh, and he's best friends pretty much with uh, Jonathan Archer, the captain. Uh, you, 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 you'll see them almost in a... Like, you would be, the way I'm with my boss at work, you know, I don't call him boss, I don't salute, you know, I call him mate. Uh, you call him Trip, right? Call him Trip, <laughs> I love that. Uh, friendly terms, you know, because they are childhood friends as well as Captain, and I think he's in this bank, yeah. So, you, you you see them eating meat and stuff in front of T'Pol, and she's disgusted, and this is when they had the chefs that would cook them, because, the, the, you know, back then... Your, your food right. wasn't coming from uh, replicators. Replicator. You know, yeah. it, it was, but it was basic, basic stuff. You wanted a decent feed. Your chef brought you the good stuff. And they're tucking into steaks and stuff. So, uh, Tucker, maybe that's where it came from. Anyway, so wait so, a minute. Now, they, 
they had replicators that could do like what a McDonald's hamburger, but if you wanted something better, they had to go what slaughter a cow on on the ship itself. Or what? I think I, I think it's, they had so I don't know I don't know it's like it's like you never see someone go to the toilet in Star Trek. It's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> they have they have the replicators were good for basic stuff. You wouldn't you yeah. could put anything advanced in it because it would just taste awful. Uh, it was the very start of them. And and people like proper cooking then. So literally, the chef would cook stuff and then little uh, little wall of just basically like trays or, or apartments, <laughs> compartments, sorry, with meals in them that already been prepaid and uh, prepaid, preheated and, and nice and warm. Yeah. And you just pull what out you want and sit down in the gallery. Like the talk. vending machine junk that we, uh, the people eat today. Like, oh, there's a sandwich. Yeah, but, but, but obviously the food was really, really good. So, I mean, this is, a, this is what I love to see. People knock enterprise and maybe rightly so but to see this raw starfleet this raw starship that didn't even have phases at the start it had torpedoes that were it literally had torpedoes that came out that looked like many icbms right now you know they didn't have the photon mm. torpedoes until two three seasons and the phasers came in later on and that was the ship rushing through the uh, rushing through uh the production of them that would normally take them many months at Jupiter Station to do, but they were getting chased by an enemy who was unknown who kept poking at them and taking shots. So they literally, Trip and Tucker, literally, Trip and Malcolm Reed came together like, let's do this quicker. They'd done it in like a week, less than a week, a few days. A week. <laughs> and they literally were testing, they were phase cannons then at the start. You know, so it was just very raw. He was the first major engineer of the first warp high engine, and he deserves a special place, I think. And spoiler alert, he dies at the very end of the whole thing, which he's not happy of as an actor. But you know, it's Star, it's Star Trek; he could come back and do that. So well, yeah, they knew, a, the season, they knew the season was ending, so they just killed him off. Yeah, basically, yeah. Which is a sad reason to do it, if you ask me. That should never be the reason, but yeah, if you're gonna so, do it, you do it for a reason. So yeah, we have picked yeah. two. Uh, that's our, our ace up our sleeve, our well card, if you like. Uh, the rest of them are the same, but we'll hopefully have maybe different reasons as to why we, we, we chose these guys. So in fourth place, Gray, who is your fourth best Starfleet engineer and why? From Voyager, Belana Torres. Tell me things fact, about Lana. I'm trying to remember. You might remember better than I, but on mm -hmm. Voyager, did she always start out as chief engineer or, or did she change? She was brought in... She, yeah, what was when the crews were combined, she was actually, it was actually going to go to the other engineer, I can't remember his name, the actual Starfleet guy, but a way to actually combine the two crews together was obviously Jacote would be number one, and then right. Jamie really wanted to give the position to, I can't remember the other engineer's name that she really liked, but Jacote's like, give Belana a shot because she is really, really good engineer, but she was a hothead back then. It took her right. a while to calm down. And she messed up, and she, James, I can't give you this job. Like you've messed up how many times at the start, and you're hothead. But she sees something, she goes right, okay, and it obviously turns out to be best decision because right. the guy that she was going to be underneath is now is under now underneath her, and but they got on really well as a team in the jail, and they work really really good. Sorry to steal your thunder, Greg. This is interesting because they had they had a female captain, which is unusual then, yeah. and a female chief engineer. So you already had two women in high positions, which is uh, normal now. But back, but back then, you know, as far as TV is concerned, it wasn't as normal. 
um, which is cool, you know. I mean, and now we've kind of come full circle again because Seven of Nine just been made captain in Picard, so now that's true. We have another, another few. Not that we didn't have other female captains and admirals, and so you saw them here and there. Yeah, yeah but yeah, if, yeah. assuming assuming legacy does become real, then it'll be cool seeing you know Seven as captain, which would be nice, pretty neat. I I always like I always like that engineer and uh, sorry I'll go completely sidetracked mm-hmm. uh, grain discovery. It wasn't the chief engineer that was Stamets, but it was the one that famous actress that the one with the really short hair. She looked like she was late forties, fifties, really dry sense of humor. The one liners. Oh was right, I know you're talking brilliant. about. Brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved her. She was just my. She, cup she of was tea. an engineer, but not cheap. Engineer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. main engineer in the bloody Discovery. It pissed me off. You always see the small room. What? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, I would love just seeing her big cheap engineer. I liked her. She yeah. was one of the few characters on the show I liked. Her and Scotty uh, would have her... got that house in fire. <laughs> <laughs> she was good, even though she wasn't on all the time. And um, of course, Doug Jones. So those are probably the top two, because. I don't know, just because they were just so good you know, with, with the you material know. they were given. So Belana, but Belana was yeah. cool. I mean, she was. I liked her because she was a, a wee bit hot headed here and there, but she knew her stuff, and she obviously, you know, worked hard at her job and got Voyager out of jams and stuff, which is which is what a chief engineer is supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Any episodes you know. or anything that stuck out for you, or anything you didn't like about Belana, because no one's perfect. No, I mean, I. It's been a long time since I've seen. A lot of Voyager episodes, I, I can't say. Mm-hmm. But I do know that she fits, seemed to fit rather well. And the whole crew, or the little, or the, the camaraderie between the main crew were all good. And so yeah. I, I really like that. Um, and it was different, too, because you had to, you know, these people were half McKee and half not. And you didn't know if they were going to get along, or they were going to have problems, or they were going to have fights, or they are going to have, you know. And it, they really had to get along because they were lost out in the in Delta Quadrant or whatever. And, and they were... Yeah, and they just did. They had to do something, so it really came together. It was interesting how they all chose to just go with Starfleet as opposed to like be somebody insisting. Well, why don't we just all become Marquis? That's a good point. I actually, <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, well, because it's a Starfleet ship. That's True. what's probably edged it. And you the knew captain, which way it was going to go. And the captain is Starfleet. Yeah. Otherwise, you're right. Good point. So yeah, why why not Marquis? Our ship survived, and maybe it's bigger, just as big as Voyager wasn't, and maybe yeah. our captain is. Is Jacote. So, uh, how about you join us, Jamie? You'd be number two. Yeah, <laughs> but that wasn't gonna work. Uh, I think the other good thing is Maki had to had to fly by the seat of their pants all the time with their ships, so yeah. that probably gave you an up, or or had Balana was you know, you know, learned from all this and was able to be a better engineer. So, all worked. Yeah. Um, no surprise, like I said before, I I, I chose the same. It just the way it worked out. It's... We t- tend to think most alike when it comes to Trek anyway, Grey and I, so it kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I, I did pick Bolana as well. And it's a bit fresh in my memory because like I said before, Voyager is my favourite series of all of them. Uh, she does join at the start as really hot-headed engineer, but you could see her skill in getting shit done. Now, mm. do you want to know something? No, I'm not, I'm not going to change it now, but I should have made her third. I'll tell you why. This just came to mind. I just remembered this. She invented or was the main contributor to the... the is it this? No, not Slipstream. That's a different bloody franchise. The... Uh, oh, what is that technology they had? Where well, it they, wasn't 
I wasn't quantum drive, you know that. No, so. maybe maybe it is. No, was it Slipstream, was it? Or ah, I bloody forgot. It, it was the episode was... on you go, Gray? No, I said I thought it was Slipstream, right? No, that's I think I'm sure that's a different sci-fi franchise. Um Transwarp. Transwarp. No, no, not Transwarp. It's the one where no. in season five, uh they send the Delta Flyer ahead of Voyager and it looks like warp drive, but it's got the kind of tunnel effect. And Voyage, uh, the Delta Flyer has to send the commands back uh, to Voyager to where it should navigate, but something goes wrong and it crashes just outside the Alpha Quadrant and it gets frozen. It's called Frozen, I think, actually. It's frozen under ice for ages. Then uh, uh, they go back in time, um, Jacote and Kim, to try and uh, stop it from happening. Uh, it's She invents that technology anyway, Uh uh, using benzamite crystals or something, but it was a one-shot kind of thing. And this was a... It, it looked more like Transwarp, I guess, but it used the warp engines kind of thing, and it just looked like mm. extensions added onto the warp drive. She's responsible for that. So that is pretty massive, mate. And and I kind of regret not making her third now, so I'm going to have to think of something really special for third, because that's not... Not many engineers, if any. Okay, you, done can that. you can change it on the fly if you want. Okay. Nah, I won't because then I'll, I'll <laughs> muck up. But yeah, no, so so the, the top three and four are really important anyway. But yeah, so Lana really grows into a role, really, really grows into it. She chills out, relaxes a well. I don't know if she, she maybe gets a promotion at some point in Voyager as well. Um, and she really calms down when she also gets with Tom Paris and they have a family and whatnot, and, uh, have a kid. Um, uh, and it's it's her half Klingon nature with her half human nature because she's she's both. And there's mm. some brilliant episodes with her where she just she revisits her her past, what it was like being uh, brought up with mixed race parents, uh, what what it was like to be part of the Maquis because they do. If you remember, Greg, they do go in with several of the crew members of the Maquis storyline and the resistance yeah. and what it would. Tuvok creates a program. What would happen if? They got together and they're fascinated by this program. Or maybe we should take back Voyager. Um, they do that in a number of episodes, um, and they look back at another part of her skill set was she actually designed that missile. Remember that mm-hmm. missile that was uh, the AI controlled. It was really really smart, and it was it was to be used against the Federation, um, and or was it no? Was it against the Cardassians? It was against the Cardassians. And this is Cardassian probe. Smart weapon. It found its way somehow into the Delta Quadrant, maybe the same way Voyager was sent in. And this mm. thing would literally, it was corrupted, so it would literally try and aim for these random planets and try and take them out and kill them. But she has to get on board and literally, Dreadnought it's called, there we go. And she has to try and deprogram this thing. She's having a conversation with this AI. It was really, really cool. That and the robot that they find out in space, literally, this looks like a looks like a stereotypical robot in this thing. It's murdering Rampage and what it wants to do. Uh, Blana trying to teach it right from wrong. So, yeah, some cracking episodes to shine in. And like I say, maybe it is Slipstream. Uh, she invents that, so she deserves a special place, I think, for that. Can't say too many negative things for her. Maybe because she is a bit hot-headed, but that's down to genetics, so kind of don't blame her. I'm sure some of it would be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so it's, it's to be expected. So yeah, uh, 
same fourth choice, but she maybe probably deserves to be third. But you know, our, we've we've our, we've said who they are. We've written them down, so we'll stick with that. We'll go in our top three now. Um, you know, yep. the really important guys. Gray, who did you go for in third place, and and why? Well, third place, uh, we went with Miles O'Brien. And if you remember, Miles O'Brien started out on TNG. And he wasn't the chief engineer. He was the transporter chief when he started over there. Um, So he went for, you know, however many, what was it? I think it was was five seasons, and then he left because he went to Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And he wasn't there for the whole seven seasons. Yep. So somewhere around the fifth season or whatever it was, he left and was sent to DS9. But when he was sent to DS9, he became chief engineer there. Um, And it's pretty big role because you're chief engineer of a whole station so your station's a lot bigger than just one ship yes is massive as well so that alone would uh, would be enough to give him third place here because he had to run around like a chicken without his head probably <laughs> like there's always something he had to go and fix or whatever but miles was always a cool character he was uh he was always an interesting character he was always getting involved with a uh, Worf when Worf came onto the Deep Space Nine afterwards, and as well as uh, the rest of the cast and crew and stuff, so he was always an an integral part of everything. And he all he was able to do a lot of different things. Um, also, when they finally did bring uh, the Defiant uh, on board the ship, he was you know instrumental in doing some things on the Defiant as well. Um, if you really investigate Canon, there are some other things he's I don't remember exactly, but that he's accredited for as well. Uh, plus, they they had to beef up the entire Deep Space Nine when the Dominion War started, so he had a hand in all that stuff, uh, all the new weapon systems and and so forth. But he was a very likable character, though. He was just it he just was. was that way. Cole Meany was the actor, yeah. But uh, and Cole went on to do some some good stuff afterwards after Star Trek too. Um, but it was just the kind of character he just he just really gravitated to, and he got married on the Deep Space Nine, had a kid, yeah, cool. all this stuff. Keiko, and they, they had a lot of scenes of uh, things of his life and how he interacted with everything. But he was he was in the line of chief engineers that were that were great and have done a lot of things. Yeah, they didn't mention, they didn't mention his name in Picard though. Yeah. That, which is a shame. <laughs> he deserved a place for that. So did Bob Picardo. But anyway, um, yeah, I'll be can't make one. can't get everybody. Top doctors <laughs> and why? Um, Miles O'Brien, I chose as well. Uh, for some of the reasons to Gray, but to expand on them, one thing Gray mentioned, and I'm glad you did, mate. I'm surprised I've forgotten this fact, considering how much I love the bloody Defiant. Uh, the Defiant, as we all know or knew, is a hothead of a starship, but much like the Blana Torres of starships, uh, it would literally want to rip itself apart because there was so much power in such a small chassis that, you know, it wasn't designed to be the way it was. It's your man, Chief Miles O'Brien, that actually tames the beast. He's the one that goes in and makes it safe to fly and fight and not tear itself apart. I wouldn't say it's a 110% squeaky, efficient, clean starship, but he gets it to a point where it's actually usable. Because uh, it wasn't usable before. That's why the whole the fight program was kind of put on the chopping block for a while until they started right. to bring them out again. Um, but yes, good point, Greg. Kudos to you for that one, mate. Uh, that is a that is a help, big helping hand. Another thing he does, which is instrumental, or did he do this? Was he involved? Was he involved in the uh, 
the minefield outside the wormhole to stop the the Dominion forces coming through, or did he leave? I think so. Or did he leave with the rest of Starfleet onto that space station with like Admiral Ross and Cisco and whatnot? I don't remember. I, I think, I think he was left it. behind, though, wasn't he? I think he was left behind. He decided to stay. I might be wrong, though, but I think he had a hand, certainly, in those mines that you couldn't blow them up because they were self-replicating. If you took one out, well, first of all, they were cloaked, shielded, right. and they uh, had self-replicating technology. So if you tried to fire on them and they... Yeah, you know, you blew up. It would, it would just replicate itself really quickly and replace itself. So you were, in, that's why they had to uh, find a way of uh, stopping this, taking this minefield down by stopping it at the source rather than, which was a deep space nine. And that, that whole angle was right. fascinating because the defiant lays down loads and rows and rows and rows of invisible rep, self-replicating mines that the Dominion are stuck for ages. Otherwise, the station would have been. Or whatever. We've got backup forces in no time at all. So uh, credit has to go to that. And the guy has lasted. He's not worth. He 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 crosses over between two Star Trek series, which not many people have done. He yeah. he was cool in the Next Generation, but he wasn't a season regular. He was just a, a guest appearances, a handful of guest appearances throughout the show. Uh, and then to be promoted to then go on to a space station, the most prominent, the most important at the time, space station in Starfleet, because while sure. it wasn't the one outside Earth, it was pretty far out. I mean, it was the border of, not the border, it was it was pretty far out in Alpha Quadrant, wasn't it? So this was almost right. like the last place you would visit. And you would see how many ships would you see docked to those famous pilots? Enterprise sure. D, Voyager, Define just to name a few. There's more. Oh yeah, other class of ships and stuff, and oh yeah, the Klingon ships as well. Yeah, saw a bunch of things. Uh as Gray mentioned, uh, he beefed up the at the very start. Actually, the Deep Space Nine is not by uh, the Bajoran wormhole, and they have to get it there to try and protect it, so they can kind of claim it for their own uh, to protect the Bajoran people. And space stations are not designed to move. They don't have engines on them. So Chief Miles O'Brien has the idea to put like a bubble around the space station to make it lighter. I know it's in space. Wait, what's that? But for whatever reason, it works. He puts it round to make it as light as it possibly can, uses the thrusters all synced together on one side and, and literally moves the, the station along within an inch of its life of blowing up those bloody thrusters. <laughs> to get it near the space station, uh, to get it near the wormhole, and he does. And, you know, there's explosions going off, and, ah, can he take it, kind of captain, and too much power. But they get there. They get there, and... Well, they're flying to the wormhole, even better. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Gobble, gone. Uh, Oops. <laughs> space station is now in the, the uh, beta quadrant. So, he is, and obviously beefing up the station later on, because Deep Space Nine uh, does have armaments, but... The Cadassians done a, a number on that station when they left it, so they didn't leave very much. Chief Miles O'Brien, along with the help of Starfleet, upgraded it massively grey because it literally could hold off a fleet. It does hold off a fleet more than one occasion throughout the seasons. Uh, multiple phaser banks, phaser turrets, which we had never seen in a space station, we only really seen in Defiant. 
sure. multiple phaser rings, phaser rays, so many bloody torpedo turrets. My God, this thing was just nonstop. It used to spin around almost like a machine yeah. gun. <laughs> yeah, like a machine gun for, for, for photon torpedoes. And, yeah. and there was so many of them. I think they say at one point, I don't recall the number, but literally there is hundreds if not thousands of torpedoes on, on the station. Uh, they've got right. the space for it. Makes sense. Sure they do. Sure. So, Chief Miles O'Brien, you deserve your place there, mate. But eh, if you don't come back in a special some point in the future, I may have to move you, move you down to fourth, mate. So, um, <laughs> anyway, that's our third place there. At uh, second place, Mister Gray, who did you pick and why? Is it anything to do with a recent part season three? No, not really. I think uh, I picked Jordy, Jordy LaForge because, look, he, it's the second Star Trek series. We got a colon uh, leak! He, a colon leak! Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you, had to, you had to look at, you know, there was a lot of shoes to fill when they started TNG in, in the cast. Uh, none of the cast even felt like that they were going to uh, be as important as the TOS people. And and there's even a famous story where Patrick Stewart was an uh, agent said, look, just Sign the contract. That the show will be off the air in six yeah, months. You yeah, can't. Yeah. You can't. Uh, you can't re- recreate or follow a legend. They'll have to pay work. you off, and right. And then all of a sudden, of course, the, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> um, the thing about Jordy, though, that was interesting, though, is that his first season, he was he wasn't an engineer. If you remember, when he first started, he had the red shirt on, right? Hey. He had the red shirt on, but he was on the helm. That's right. Who was the engineer then uh, at the very start? Do you recall? No, I don't they, know. they don't really advertise it, do they? No. So he, and I don't remember whether he served the whole year at the helm or not, because they quickly figured this out and moved him into engineering. Yep. Where he took on took on the gold, uh, the gold color. Uh, now it is kind of funny in TOS, Red was engineering, and then eventually Red became security, um, and then Gold became engineering. Whatever. It's, they play with the colors. But the point is, is that he started out on the bridge and he started out as being on the helm and piloting uh, the starship. And then, you know, they kind of explain, I guess, more or less that he has a knack for uh, for being an, an engineer and whatever. And then they, they quickly move into the chief engineer spot. They don't really say a lot about how he got that way or how he oh, they just a- kind of. Mention it. And they, then all of a sudden he's chief engineer. Remember the car season three, he did go back on. Uh, the helm briefly before he That's sat true. in the chair, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. so and and technically, a good engineer should be able to do a lot of different hats. Yes. Um. Uh. But yeah, that is a good point. When he went back in there, reminiscent of when he first started. So eventually, he became chief engineer, and I think he's. We all know if you're a TNG fan, he's 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 done many great things uh, on on TNG as chief engineer, and in canon, he's known as. You know, being way up there on the top, you know, top of the class, so to speak. Uh, and of course, when you saw Picard season three, you see that at, he, even though he's older and he's now he's a commodore, he's running the whole bloody museum of all these ships. So, engineer's dream: I get to sit there and be the chief engineer of every ship. That's that's at my museum. So pretty cool. Um, and of course, his his pet project was rebuilding the D, like we would go out and rebuild a car or something. He's just like, yeah, I'll just rebuild the ship. The whole damn ship. Why not? You know, so pretty cool. Was it you said, Gray, it was uh, a bit like um, the, the equivalent of today of someone having a car in their, their, their garage yeah. that they just want to do up, but 
you don't really have cars in that future so hold my beer i'm just going to redo a starship for the next couple of decades and that's all just the whole starship <laughs> like <laughs> i really want to know how he was able to finagle some of the stuff you know like we'll bring the saucer section over here and uh i guess he was allowed he was allowed to get away with a lot of stuff being head of the museum of the museum so yeah you know he could explain it away this is true but obviously he did it in secret nobody knew he was rebuilding it i mean you know uh no one did it was a ma- massive surprise and a massive job as well um, is there anything else you want to add to your point of view of uh, uh, Jordan? Before I, of no, I think I think he was uh, the Bart Burton was a was a great actor for, to play the part, and he did an excellent job. Um, a lot of people don't know that in the early with the episodes he was on TNG, he had to wear that visor, and he said that when he had the visor on, he couldn't see, so he basically he had to act as if he could see through it, but and deliver his lines. So that's pretty good to sit there and be an actor. You basically can't see much of anything with this thing on, and you still got to go for it. I mean, that's amazing because you can't see your fellow actors' faces or anything through that stupid thing. So, you know, hats off to him. He did a great job and sold the part and did did well. But he was uh, definitely an important engineer in the the whole uh, series, uh, the whole history of Trek. So, yes, yes, he was. Um, I chose the same spoiler alert because you know, oh, he definitely deserves that 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 he's cemented into second place i think for both of us uh for yeah. obviously the reasons that, that gray mentioned but also i like to i never remember the names of episodes i'm bad for that for the most part but i do yeah, I um i do i could always give you a description of an episode and while i don't i can't really think of many standout tng episodes the prop there probably is i'm not saying there isn't i just think of Things that come to mind are when he in Star Trek Insurrection or was it earlier? Uh, when he gets his uh, eyesight kind of back because the planet they're on starts regenerating his eyesight, um, and kind of doesn't want to keep that because he knows what 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 it would mean to the inhabitants of the planet for him to keep that. And he feels he's looking at a sunrise with a card, and he's like. You could see what it means to him to have his eyesight back. Um, but obviously in Star Trek Picard Season 3, he has got implants in there so that, because like Grace said, he can see through that bloody thing. Uh, but it's iconic to him. It really is iconic to him that he has that. So it would have been nice if you saw it as an Easter egg or something in Season 3, but I don't recall seeing it. Um, yeah, no. But for me... Um, I think he'd done a great job in Picard season three because he was Commodore at this stage uh, in charge of the Fleet Museum. It's a privileged position and he's mm-hmm. responsible, I'd like to assume, for getting all those classic starships in place, getting the D rebuilt, putting it back in its place. And he's obviously a bit of a beef with Picard for a while because, you know, his family's he's got two daughters, they're involved, or at least one, yeah, they're both involved in Starfleet. And he doesn't want them involved uh, but obviously they, they work things out and they become a great kind of team and he sits in the captain's chair on the D for a little while while Picard's on the cube doing his thing um, yeah. but for me that guy deserves a, a massive amount of respect because he's at one, he becomes the chief engineer of the flagship of the Federation sure fat boy herself old Enterprise D uh, the biggest starship of its time at the time, 
and he's responsible for this. Although he's got one blip, not his fault, but he's got one blip on his resume, Gray. And that is he let the bloody Duras sisters get hold of the bloody shield frequency for Enterprise D and then Kablooey put some bloody holes through it, didn't they? Well yep, done, Jordy. That was kind of goofy for that that movie no, too. It just it it wasn't it didn't make enough sense. It didn't. You know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't one of the better parts of a Star Trek movie. Put it that way. It wasn't. It really wasn't. Oh, by the way, yeah, I kind of was right. Remember the technology I was talking about? Blana invented or helped invent. Slipstream mm-hmm. isn't a title. The quantum slipstream drive. Oh, okay. So I said quantum drive, but I didn't know there was a quantum. There we go. Yeah. I knew it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. That was that. Yeah. That was. She's she, she. She then when they get back to Earth, they, they use the research and stuff to. It's yeah. a thing. It is a thing in Star Trek now, but you don't see it. Yeah. Maybe good because we're what drives our our, our, our canon system. So, um, and it's practical, unlike bloody spore drives. So, well, they did say that. Uh... A lot of the technology that came back with the Voyager was then used for ships going forward in the Dominion War and other things going yeah. on because they needed to resist the Borg and Voyager had been able to figure out ways uh, to do it. So that made a lot of difference when they went to uh, build the, the uh, uh, Enterprise E and other ships of that class because they were better able to resist the Borg. And that technology all came from Voyager. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that is, as Captain Seven now said at the, uh, the time, he went when when Jack asked about uh, Voyager. He's like, "Yo, ah, oh, this one here has been far it made her adventures far further out than any of those old relics." I think Gray took offence yeah. to that, but a relic doesn't mean it's shit. No, it no, just no. means it's old, and they are old. So, yes, that's why the Voyager's got special place. It it was a legendary ship like them, but it done it further out than any ship's ever been. Well, it was true. also amazing that it lasted because that technology brought right. back. It was a first for Starfleet. It was men. Yep. And to last that long without getting blown up was pretty, uh, the pretty amount good of, too. The amount of torpedoes they went through and bloody shuttle craft they went through and uh, story plot purposes. Yeah. Um, so Johnny the Forge for us, uh, very iconic engineer um, and rightly deserves his second place, but. No surprise that first choice for Grey and I is Jankum Pog. No, I'm joking. No. It's not. It's <laughs> not. Grey, who's your number one and why? No, no, you, you have to do this because you're Scottish, so there you go. Go ahead. Who's your pick? Ah, okay. Uh, you can chip in. Um, Scotty. Scotty, uh, played by the amazing, famous James Dune. Um, Grey interviewed him. And we can link that below after. It was a nice chat. Gray basically got on with him like a house on fire. He's a very friendly, chatty, talkative guy. And he divulged a, a decent amount of information to, to, to Gray. And I say I will link it below, but he talks about where he got the accent from his character. Um, he was literally, it was a blank canvas. They were saying to him, how do you want this guy to be? And, you know, what nationality should he be? And He's pretty decent at doing accents, uh, James. So he went with yeah. Scottish because, despite being a Canadian, living in America, playing a Scotsman, 
Um, he decided to go with Scottish because they make great engineers, and I didn't know that was a thing. I guess they did, and they kind of still do as part of the British Armed Forces. I don't know, but um, he went with that, and he, he does a pretty decent accent. I don't think anyone nails a Scottish mm-hmm. accent bang on because it's a hard one to do, but he does it justice, he does it proud. Um, for me, the number one line, Grey, I can't remember what episode or what movie it was in. I think it must have been when he came back in TNG and he was speaking to Jordy. Yeah, and they were talking about, you know, how long did you tell him to get this fixed? And he said such and such. And he's like, oh, what? You're supposed to overpromise. How do you have this line of being a miracle worker if you tell him the exact same thing? Tell him the real time, yeah. (laughs) I mean, chip in there. We'll we'll go to and fro. Like, great. It shouldn't just be me then, you, but... You know, I'm guessing you just like him because of what he's achieved and legendary status he has. Well, I mean, it's it, it, he was the first, you know, as far as TOS is concerned, yeah. that, that we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, he played the part really well. He was a, a, a really great actor, and he and he was a linguist, so he could do many different uh, accents people don't know. Um, but when I first met him uh, long ago, I was just shocked at when he was talking because he talks like I do with a completely American accent. And I just like, uh, I mean, it was like, it was almost like Scotty just forgot the Scottish accent all of a sudden. He is Canadian, by the way, so let's not offend too many Canadians out there. I know. And um, so as he started telling me the story, like you said, about as far as in his mind, you know, he felt that the Scottish made great engineers and he was even, he even named some of them. I don't remember. And uh, he told me, said, so that's what I went with. And they, they, they said, fine, whatever you want. So. He just went with that one, and the rest is like history. But there's so much stuff in canon, um, oh, yeah. structure canon, and even non-canon, where Scotty is in a special place all by himself, and and so many different innovations that he did. Not and this is also in canon, not just back in the original Enterprise, but when he uh, put himself into the transporter buffer and survived 79 years or Genius. 80 years, whatever it was, and then TNG finds him. Even at that point, Jordy was, um, he couldn't believe it. He said, There's nobody would ever even attempt to do something like that. And he just thought quick on his feet and decided to get whatever crewmen were still alive. Into Breaking the how many protocols and procedures. Sure. And for somebody that would find him, and it was just bloody brilliant. And he ends up surviving and they get his pattern out and he comes back in the TNG era. And then there is canon and books written about how Scotty from that point started making things better even in another century. So not only did he, did he accomplish amazing things for Starfleet uh, in the TOS era, but then again in the TNG era as well. So yeah, the guy was just like pretty prolific. So it was, and it was great to see somebody, you know, that revered. And, and when you hear the name Scotty, it's just kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's synonymous yeah. of Starfleet engineer. Yeah. Realize, you know, and people of the, of that, role where they've done a lot in their in their career like we saw in picard season three we you know we see uh uh captain um nope got his name all of a sudden and stuff and what star trek picard season three where geordi comes face to face with the captain of the titan um and he's totally in awe of geordi shaw yeah he's totally an engineer by trade exactly so it was just like meeting you know almost God, and he's just sitting there just going, ah, bah, 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 bah. and it's the same thing. Jordy was really impressed when he met uh, 
uh, Scotty for the first time, thinking like, like I'm ever going to meet Scotty. He's dead. He's been gone. And when he was there, it's just kind of like, whoa, you know, the, the, the guy from the original Enterprise said, you know, wow. <laughs> so at, at first, he's pissed off of them, though, isn't he? Because he's, he's not acting the way that engineers and stuff like officers do of that generation, pun not intended. But he, get, he learns to love them by the end and appreciate and take on his words of wisdom. And they're, they're, they're yeah, I think I, I think what it was is he was he, Jordy was stuck in what he knows in the twenty fourth century. By so the he book. wasn't giving, right? He wasn't giving uh, Scotty his due because Scotty was, you know, a fish out of water a little bit. Didn't have a clue. Uh, with, some the, with some of the technology, but he yeah. caught on fast, obviously. And again, there's books out there where he, Scotty, you know, made amazing things happen in in the twenty fourth century as well. Yep. But same thing though, he was revered, you know, and everybody on the ship was just like a start next generation was just going like Scotty. What? And they're all just like, How can, yeah, I mean, we actually have him. He's he's actually alive. And everybody was like, Oh, Scotty. <laughs> hey, let let's not forget, uh, Gray, that um he was he what well, he gives the recipe recipe, the Formula for transparent, yeah. transparent. Uh, I'm going to say aluminum because that's what they say. Aluminium. I would say aluminium, <laughs> but to be fair, I'm quoting Star Trek, so transparent, transparent aluminum. And that movie was hilarious because your moments of, yeah. yeah, I just, I just remember him picking up the mouse and going, "Hello, computer," you know, uh, how quaint. <laughs> just use the keyboard, and he gives the, they're trying to build the, uh, the, the fish tank for the whale. And they need something strong enough, but they don't have anything in that modern time. So he types into the keyboard the recipes that'll make the, the this warehouse owner guy rich. Uh, if you can give us the materials for free, and he types it in, and Bones is like, "What are you gonna like? What do you like break the universe? Like you, you can't do that kind of stuff, you know? Like how you know?" Scotty says, "How do you know he wasn't the guy that?" Invents it, and the two of them, anyway. the two of them have some great banter. Bones and, and Scotty, that he's like, eh, eh, okay, yeah. So, um, little scenes like that, and and I know you're going to hate me for saying this, Greg, but it's obviously not the the favorite, the favored version of him. But Simon Pegg, Pegg plays him in the Kelvin verse movies, right. and you can't compare them. But see if you stand the performances separately on their own. Uh, Simon Pegg does a pretty decent job. His accent is actually more accurate, which might disappoint yeah. some people. And the reason being is his wife's Glaswegian from Glasgow on the west coast of the country where I'm from. So living with someone like that, you're bound to know the accent a bit better. And he does mm -hmm. a good job that his version, his version of Scotty invents the long distance transporter. If you recall those movies at all, Gray, I know you tried to mm -hmm. burn them out your memory, but they could yeah. only at that stage beam down to see a planet. And at one stage, he actually invents the long distance transporter to actually, and it's it's Leonard Nimoy's Spock that actually tells him that he's the guy that invents it and gives him a nudge so that he like he's on that planet. Miles, this is the first time you see that, Scotty. He's miles away with that little cute creature psychic guy of his. And he invents this to literally beam someone. I mean, I don't know how far it was across a system, like nuts, you know, light years upon light years away. So let's not forget that. And this is a gray area, but he had gray a hand. Area. Exactly. Too, too <laughs> much gray. Um, he has a hand, if not the guy that 
invented at least an initial failed or not to be investigated enough version of Transwarp Drive. Remember, mm. right? Oh yeah, well he's yeah. He's 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 on the uh, well. I don't know. Was it Excelsior or was it Excelsior class? I don't remember that. Right. He's the one. The he, he went. It was uh, I think it was either Search for Spock or or the next one where they had to Search get Spock. They had to steal the Enterprise yep. uh, to go on this mission, and so Scotty went on to the Excelsior, although he didn't see him physically go on. Sabotage. And he messed he messed things up and took some stuff out. He's got bolts. He's got proper bolts as if it's. A I know car he's got stuff in his hands. <laughs> what he took out of it, and he's got like see. And then you see the Excelsior try to go on the transwarp, and it goes like this. And the noise it makes <laughs> like a car breaking down, which is yeah, not yeah. practical, but I didn't care. It was no, hilarious. No, but funny. Yeah. It was. And, uh, it, and only Scotty could get away with this stuff because it's kind of, it's, it's, the thing, I think the cool thing about Scotty was that he was like, like far smarter than anybody who first meets him would think. Oh, yeah. And he didn't like to flaunt it. He never really flaunted it, but when something needed to get done, he would always know what to do and how to do it and just, you know, kind of like, yeah, this is what I do. I'm the miracle worker. I'll make shit happen. He has all the classic lines. He has all the classic lines as well that made him so famous. Mm. Oh, I want the Enterprise. No bloody A, B, C, or D <laughs> up there. And yeah. I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. And, you know, just a class. In fact, Simon Pegg does a great verse of that as well, but can't compare to James's version. It's just mm. bloody brilliant. I remember, was it Star Trek Six Undiscovered Country, where, I don't know if he'd been drinking or tired or whatever or both, he's walking along and he's like, I know this ship like the back of my hands, don't right off the ball. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I watched that so many times first time, I'm pissing myself laughing watching that. Uh, I really liked, uh, there was a, there's a bunch of episodes, uh, uh, well, not a bunch, but they did have a couple episodes where they centered on Scotty and TOS. A couple of good ones, actually. Oh, yeah, um, but he's drinking was, with people. Well, there was one where he had to sit down and drink with this. I think it was a Klingon. One of the Klingons that looked human. That's another story. But the point is, is that he had to keep him occupied. Yeah. And so Scotty just goes to Kirk or whatever and just goes like, I know what to do. And he grabs this bottle of like whiskey or whatever it was. Popper whiskey, not sent the hole. Exactly. And he goes in there and he just starts drinking with the guy. And the, and the scene was hilarious because you see Scotty getting drunker and drunker. And he's just like... <laughs> And this guy doesn't seem like he's getting drunk at all. And Scotty's kind of like, you know, this, what's going on, man? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, the last minute, the guy stands up and he just, and then it just hits him like all at once, the entire bottle. And he just goes, and And he's sitting there making comments about it. And he's like spinning around. It was great. (laughs) That was one of the best scenes uh, they ever did. It was great. Really, really good. Um, And there was other several things too. And I think it was, uh, Wolf in the Fold, um, where he had a love interest and everything, which was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, hold on. Oh, we got here, people. He's got a love interest. This is this is a script. Star Trek, Wolf in the Fold, right? You've got a script. Okay. You kept this from me. No, it's like that. It's not. It is a copy of the actual. Ah, script, okay, not, okay, okay, okay. Not though. Not his. His. Right. Inside. If you look right here, it, and this is for people on YouTube, sorry, you see James's yeah. autograph right there. Wow. Uh, and, and you also see uh, George Takei's uh, autograph as well. So the engineer, Scotty, signed my script. And this was an episode that he was prominently featured in. So obviously I want him to sign that. Oh, yeah, of course. Cool. So, Respect. 
Yeah. But nice. he, he was around. He was the first. And then, you know, chronologically now, I guess if you want to go backwards, whoever's on Strange New Worlds was preceded Scotty. But the point is, is we didn't know that at the time. And Enterprise. Yeah, of course. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. chronological so. is important to a lot of people, Gray. It isn't to me. I only mentioned Trip because it was the first Warp 5 engine, right. which is right. a prep. Because there's probably people around about his time before or after that were in charge of the first Warp 1, 2 engines. But first, Warp 5 was where you could get shit done. You could go places without yeah. it taking a ridiculous amount of time. So, um, sure. And that was, yeah. So, I mean... We could we could go on and on and talk even longer about Scotty because he was such a famous character, such a comedian. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the guy James himself, you know, like he he served in World War Two. Um, he had mm-hmm. like a finger taken away. He had so many injuries. Like, for the guy to then go into acting and pull this off is immense. To come back in TNG, immense. And then when he passed away, uh, rest in peace, James. He then get his ashes taken up to space and first person mm-hmm. to ever have their ashes put into space. So James will ever, Scotty will forever be the best engineer in our hearts and a proper trekker because he is, well, no man, no person, apologies, has gone before. Which is pretty yeah. cool, mate. Pretty cool, I think. And yeah. he deserves his place. Um, it was funny when you mentioned about uh, the missing finger that was injured in World War Two. They made they went a long way during the course of sh- of shooting the original series and even the movies where you never saw that. Why you they should have just saw. said that you could roll in something to say why you lost. Well, that. yeah, but why back then, it? again, back then in TOS, they didn't want to show handicapped people. They didn't so, want to show a, a lot a lot of different things. They were able to get away with a lot of stuff back then. Yeah, I remember it was the late sixties, but they didn't want to they didn't want to do certain things, so you didn't really show. Uh, you know anybody that was handicapped now today it's quite accepted of course yeah. um in fact it's even more accepted in some ways um if you go back even further just a quick history lesson but if you go back to the 40s in the u.s uh, uh there was a president fdr franklin delano roosevelt during world war ii right he had polio and he was crippled and he couldn't walk but whenever they used news footage of him they never ever showed him trying to get to walk to the stand to make a speech or whatever in the case may be. And rarely do you ever see footage of that because back then they felt that if you showed a handicapped person that they would not, they would think less of you. And this is all BS and we knew it's BS later on, but this is how they believe. Yeah. So like some of that carried over on, you know, unfortunately, but in any case, it was funny because when I first met Jimmy, I had only heard little stories. I didn't really, get into it and then he started telling me he says yeah see and fingers gone and he said yeah well we're two and he said that i forgot uh-huh. how he said he actually lost it i don't remember what was his um, rank again in the canadian uh royal whatever up hell yeah was? i don't re- I, I don't remember i don't know if he was captain or what but he, he had a couple of ranks yeah yeah um Impressive. but it was there's some pictures of him out there that uh, i think i put a picture in uh, when we did the interview which i will like below he, yeah when he entered in yeah and it was just like, wow, talk about a young looking, you know, because they were only kids then, you know, and stuff. But uh, yeah, he was a cool, he was a cool guy, though. He really, uh, he was funny because when we were uh, in the car with him, I went on a, I got him a, a, a gig where he was going to, from radio station to radio station doing quick interviews. And I was, I went along with him 
because I'm the one who arranged the thing. And so I got to go to all the stations with him, you know. Yeah. And he would in the car and he started going into his linguistic thing. So he started doing all these accents that were just great. Really? He was doing Scottish accent. He did like at least five different English accents. Different regions like, within England as well. That's hard oh, yeah, to do, oh, man. Yeah. Wow. And he would explain and he would even explain to you, well, you know, the, the Cockney da 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 has a you know, whatever this and this, and you have to say it like this, and he goes, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, where did they learn this from? Did they ever say? Some people that that, that are in linguistics that can do this have a natural talent. It's Maybe like really he done weird. that in the army. Maybe he had time in his hands in the armed Maybe. forces, you know? I, know. <laughs> I mean, not, nowadays, linguistics that are, hire, uh, that are hired for movies and stuff like that really know their stuff. I mean, look at the guy that created the Klingon language. It's an actual language. I mean... It's not an actual language in terms of we don't go running around speaking no, it, but, but it is a real language a, that had to be built. an official language, but it is. Right. So you can learn it. And, and, and yeah. ever since that, that when they did stuff like that, nowadays, you see a lot of science fiction movies where they're actually speaking whatever alien language, right? Yeah. Well, they always hire a linguistic to make the language appear to be real. Yeah. So it's no more made up, made up stuff anymore. It's got some basis of of structure to it so it actually seems like a real you know real language so it's really it's really interesting yeah but when he went into all these accents we were just cracking up we couldn't believe it and then he would just talk normal and it was just like a canadian slash american accent like, <laughs> like not a north american accent for the untrained ear a lot yeah. of canadians may sound similar to america just because of how close they are but it's let's yeah. i guess he, he worked in hollywood for a long time so he may his canadian accent may have dulled a little bit to be fair um but yeah um that is scotty first choice top ranked engineer of all time starfleet and i can't quite write from gray now a couple of cheeky funny little honorable mentions after for you know mm-hmm. just touching up for a couple of minutes uh gray who did you got a kind of special shout out to yeah i kind of shout out hammer from strange new worlds because even though he was only there for a short time because the character died he he was really cool and he really he developed a special you know, little place in people's hearts that watched that series, uh, which shows how much better that series was than a lot of the others uh, of, the, of the new track. And so we were all sad when the character died. And he did a good job. So I thought eh, he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I mentioned Jankum Pog just for the heck of it. That was uh, Star Trek Prodigy. I don't really take that one too seriously. I mean, because Jankum Pog is a very strange character. One second, he's supposedly really smart. The next second, he's like, not so smart or I don't know, or, or pretty juvenile. And I, I don't know. So, but I figured out, you know, it's there. So you might as well mention it. And then, uh, Trev, you go ahead with yours, which were yeah, similar. And then you I, added one. I did one on the end after just cause it was, it was a good shout. Um, so Hammer, yes, as well, because he was only there for one season, but he was a very dry witted guy. And I love that. <laughs> I call him a guy. So I just, his humor was brilliant. And the thing yeah. is, the actor that played him is actually blind. It's the, not the Andorians. It's the uh, like the smaller planet. It's, a, it's, a, it's an offshoot of the Andorians. Yeah, yeah I can't we, remember the... We don't remember the name. But yeah, they are all blind by nature. Uh, they're all born blind, so they use all their other senses to compensate to the extent that he's actually probably better at seeing uh, right. and getting around and knowing and doing things than people with eyesight. But... Very Daredevil-esque, actually, because yeah, he owns yeah. all the other sites, you know. Uh, uh, sorry, senses to be as good as he is. And he is a bloody good engineer. You see the things he does in that first season. Gutted mm-hmm. he died, 
Uh, they should have kept them for longer. I'd like to know the reason why yeah. they killed them off. If they have a good reason, fine. You killed off someone for the sake of it. I'm not happy with that. Um, Jank and Paul. Well, it, it made sense in, in, in the story, but uh, I can't remember the actor's name that played Hammer right now, but he is returning in the second season, but not as Hammer. He's returning as another character, another another alien character. Okay, hey, I'll take that. So take I think that. they were they they liked the actor so much that they felt like they had to see if they could try to make some other yeah thing and, for him. And maybe it was only a season long contract. Maybe they didn't know how successful it would be, which is fine. But you know, tell tell us that. Um, but yeah, I picked up Jank and Pog too. Now, yes, it's an animated show. It's a kids show, but. We can't usually we can't use that as a stigma. It is what it is, mate. So we have to treat it for what it is. And yeah, Jank and Pog sometimes I know what you're coming from, mate. He does seem like sometimes he's a dum dum, but I think that's just because he's he's a teller, right, isn't he? So I think sometimes they can be a bit like that. Plus mm. he's maybe not like me. He's probably he's probably not the best with words. But he has got the smarts up here. The things he does in those two seasons, especially the last season of uh, Prodigy were brilliant. Like, he's literally yeah. learns to rebuild and repair the Protostar drive, which is no mean feat, considering he didn't know anything about it before. And he gets people out of fixes, so I think he deserves an honourable mention there. And then I put in a cheeky shout to Rutherford from Lord X, because this is the thing. It's against him, and it's not fair. The chief engineer is Billups, um the dodgy like porn star tash from the 70s you know this kind of number you probably had they still does actually um so he 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 has that and you don't see him very much because he's bridge crew and it's not about bridge crew it's about lord decks yeah. but rutherford is a, an engineer and he's a bloody good engineer i mean he could be running that department i generally think because that billups guy was a pain in the arse if you ask me i didn't like him but <laughs> rutherford i did he was genius this guy um, yeah. he had the implant in there and it kind of supercharged his brain and what. And there was a whole story and angle behind that but he was a proper engineer in terms of he's very geeky very technically astute and aware uh, mm. and, he, and he helped the Lord Dex get out of many a jam actually so special mention to him um, the engineer is the heartbeat of any starship and no starship would be the same Starship's the the number one most important character on a Star Trek show. So without an engineer, uh, top class, I do it's nothing. Oh, yep. yeah. Um, and there's one really good reason for that because the ship's not there; they're all dead, so it doesn't work. <laughs> this is true. Um, Just a side joke, but the but yeah, I mean, to us, it always if you didn't have a a proper ship, it didn't it didn't work. Yeah, and. Yeah. That's why the Enterprise, when you throw a name on a ship, you got to, you know, there's usually some history behind it. And that's the same as today. And as it's carried forward in the future, when we see these don't shows. Say it, don't say it. Don't say it. You know. Just, what? G's, 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 the G's band. Don't, don't talk about that. Don't. It's, it, it's well, growing on us. Well, it's not that bad. If they, say well, all, if they well, say there's an overhaul, that's fine. But they didn't. Terry, you let us down. Stupid they will. Dumb, dumb. Terry, Terry will make Terry will make up for it. Watch, you see, when Legacy comes around one day, which well, could be if years they don't from now. Get, but if they don't get Legacy, mate, and he missed his chance to say that that is state of the art, he's made an arse of that. Yeah, but you know what they do? They just write a book and call it canon, and there it is. No books are not canon. <laughs> we know they're beta canon. That's the whole point. 
Um, it, they'll fix it. They'll fix it. Don't worry about it. I know what you're saying. I get it. They'll they'll fix it. It's it just you, you also got, ones. Well, there there is something else you could think about in a way. Um, the Enterprise really didn't make a phenomenal history until I mean, even though there was the first Enterprise in the series Enterprise. Okay, so it had some history behind it being one of the, the first ships off the production line, so to speak. Okay, fine. Um, but generally speaking, history is made by the ship and its crew. So history was really, in my mind, was really made on the on the name Enterprise when TOS came out. Because you had Pike and the history that he laid down. You had Kirk and the history he'd laid down. So it became a synonymous name with, with historic... And ship and and a lot of awe in people. Now, because if you really think about it, Enterprise B didn't have much of a career, right? It gets destroyed. Like, yeah, but we, on, we know why they done on, that. They had to jump forward in time, so that was a that no agreed. But but in but in canon, Enterprise didn't really have much of a history, and it died on what yeah. Was, B and C maybe B and C didn't do a lot, so that's fine. Exactly. So so you had the Enterprise name, you had a a a a history to live up to, but. You can't always predict whether you're going to live up to that name or not. And unfortunately, those two ships didn't. But then when the D came along and the E, now you're, you're making so history again. What you're saying, Gray, is if they get Legacy, then by the end of the first season, that the, the, the G might not actually have, it might have the kind of fleeting appearance that the Enterprise B and C had so that it gets blown up at the end of the season or really quickly <laughs> at the start and they replace it with the H and that's how the adventures go. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'll take that. No, no. That what, what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is is that two things should be done. Number one, above all, is as you and I just said, and they have to explain that it's a refit and it's a hell of a lot better than it was before. That's really important. Yeah, so so that should be done no matter what. Now, assuming that that's done and it is a much better ship, now it needs to go out and make its own history, just yes, like the other agreed. ships. Agreed, mate. And then you would hope five-year mission, own... right? Exactly. So you would hope that they have their, you know, their their time to shine, you know, when and if we see the series, and so forth. And we hope to see that. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it still hasn't been given any kind of pre-production or green light. Um, also, uh, because of the writer strike, as we record the show, You're not seen anytime soon. It, it could be, yeah. Twenty twenty five at not, the earliest. Yeah, I mean, just with Star Trek, let alone anything else, that might be your favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, if the strike goes on one month, two months, three months, five months, uh, it pushes production way down. So yeah. we're not going. Unfortunately, not going to. If we had hoped to see Legacy in twenty twenty four, which is what we were playing with, yeah, okay, twenty twenty five, twenty six. Oh. So we. Tune in next yeah. week for Gray's uh, green room because hopefully we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the whole Paramount Plus thing and the streaming services and the way they're going because they're losing a lot of money and that's all to do with the amount of Star Trek yep. shows that they're showing because they're not cheap to make them and they're cutting them down. So yeah, uh, we're gonna have to wrap up there, Gray, because we've been going on for yep. a while and I need to go and get my dindins. Uh, but yeah, listen, thank you again. It's our specials are just something a bit different. We get to talk about. Trek and yep. be a bit passionate and a bit geeky but um, if you have any ideas of what you would like us to talk about in Star Trek no idea is a bad idea write them below and a cheeky little thumbs up and we know what you, we know what you like and what you don't like or a dislike if you don't like it uh, we'll and come we'll back, be back with a, another special of exactly. manner. we, I, we I, have lots of ideas we just don't know which one we want to if do if you can't <laughs> give us a good suggestion people then Gray's going to pick one for us I'm putting him on the spot one that he likes from our list we have a list you see so. 
Uh, but yeah, okay, we'll wrap up there. Thank you again for all your patience and your time. We'll see you again next week. And until then, Gray, do your thing, my man. Live long and prosper, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.